0: Good morning, everybody. Great to see all of you today. Welcome, welcome. Hello. Okay. Okay, that's enough being friendly. Go ahead and take a seat. Hey, you over here. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Good to have you here this morning. Welcome. It is wonderful to see you all being so friendly and greeting each other. But let's uh, let's get moving on here. We got a full morning. So good to have you here. Um, I just want to kind of echo, or kind of to give a little more weight and strength to what uh, Caitlin said about uh, asking some of you to consider serving. In Kidman. As many of you know, for years I was the children's director here at Mariners and I have a heart to see our, our children grow and be discipled and trained and 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 uh, and, and really fostered in a relationship uh, to love Jesus with all their heart and that the church offers these programs as a tool to parents to raise godly children. And I just encourage you to be part of that. These are our kids. These are our children to help raise in the faith and, and raise that next generation. And I know not every Everybody is called to work with Kidman, but those of you that are, that have been considering it, been thinking about it, you know what, take the step, jump in. And particularly, I want to challenge you men, because all too often we think, well, women are better at at nurturing and caring for kids, but you know what, our children need to see godly men who, who demonstrate faith and a trust in God and get involved and so many of our children that come into church and in kids programs and kids camps they have absentee fathers or unbelieving fathers and they need at some point to be exposed to godly men and weekly on a discipleship on a mentoring base that is a wonderful thing to do so i encourage you i challenge you break out in particular grades 3 through 5 it's only 2 hours a week at most it's simple But it's sharing, loving, praying, laughing with young kids, and and modeling that you trust Jesus with all your heart. If you move into youth and and ministry, that maybe takes a a little bit more effort, Um, but you cannot do, I think, any greater thing than to lead somebody to a deeper place in their faith and their life. And so please consider it. Please, please, please. Should I get off my bandwagon now? (laughs) I'm going to. Let's move on into what we're doing this morning. Jump into Kidman, though. It's a great thing to do. Well, we're continuing on our series this morning on what women and men want. And uh, Paul writes this in Ephesians. He says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Now, that's important and weighty stuff, and we want to look at that today because, you see, God created men and women and this idea of marriage to illustrate his love for the church and for people. Marriage didn't just happen, and God kind of stood back and said, well, look at that, I'll be. Marriage is kind of like my love for the people. No, not at all. He's saying the reason I created marriage is to illustrate my love for the church. And so sometimes in our marriages, we ask the question, am I happy in this marriage? Am I happy in my marriage? But you know what? That's a self-focused question. And it's not the right question to ask at all. Because you see, when we live God's plan and his purpose in our culture, in our society, God calls us to be other-focused, to look outside of ourselves. And I assure you, when we live God's way in our lives, in marriages and in all relationships, when we live his way, then we will be happy. The question of happiness doesn't even need to be asked when we live God's way. And so God asks us this question, I designed your marriage to be a witness to the world of my love for the church. Are you showing my love to the world through your commitment in marriage? And so that's why we speak of marriage as holy and weighty and important, and why we give it the time we give it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these beautiful relationships that you have allowed us to have. And sometimes they can be so painful, but other times they can be so joyous. And I pray that you would help us to live out your plan and your purpose so that instead of it being painful and and difficult, we would find the joy and the love, and it would be so obvious to the world around us the way you designed it to be. Help us to hear what your word says says to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what we're talking about can be reduced to two things. And the first is, is that men and women are different, right? It's kind of obvious. We're different. And then secondly, God calls us to understand those differences and to meet our partner's deepest needs to display his love for the church. Now, last week we had some fun talking about the differences between men and women, and Paul led us in that, and he talked about how some men's brain, or men's brains were like boxes, and the rule with that is that the boxes, they can't touch. And that women's brains were like wires, and the rule there is that they're, they're all connected and, 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 uh, and, and connected to each other. And so the difference is found in communication patterns, it's found in the way we process emotions, it's found in a lot of things. And so we spent some hours kind of decoding and researching, and we came up with this, the men and women's English sort of dictionary and what it really means when a man talks and a woman talks. So when a man talks... And he says yes, he means yes. And when he says no, he means no. When he says, I'll get to it, he means, I'll never get to it. And when he says, can I help with dinner, what he's really saying is, why isn't it ready yet? When he says, you're working too hard, what he's really saying is, I can't hear the game over the vacuum. Take a break, okay? He says, when he says, I know where we are, what he really means is, I have no idea where we are. And so now let's poke some fun at women. When women talk, when they say yes, what they mean is no. When they say maybe, what they mean is no. When they say we need, what they're saying is I want it, I'm going to buy it anyway. When, When they say it's your decision, honey, what they're saying is my decision's better, but go ahead and be stupid and do it your way. All right? And when they say I am not upset, what they're saying is I am absolutely upset, you know? When it says, I'll be ready in a minute, what they're really saying is absolutely nothing. It means nothing. Just go and do some time, do something you want to do. The so, you know, obviously this is a little poking of fun, but you can see some patterns that, that are obvious to us, right? And, and sometimes I just wonder, God, why did you make us so different? These wires and these boxes, why? And there's two reasons. And the first is to develop the character of Jesus Christ to develop the character of Jesus Christ these differences come together and they work on us they smooth us out they they just they develop the character of Christ and secondly because we're made complete when we're together Jesus said this but at the beginning of creation God made them male and female so they are no longer two but one there is something Unique when God brings a couple together. Now, if we're different in the way we see things, the way we process things, the way we say things, if God made us so different, isn't it just possible that we also have different needs? Isn't it possible that we have different needs? I mean those things that, that build us up, that inspire us and speak to us. And those things that we need from our partners, isn't it possible that we need something unique from them? The answer is yes, of course. The needs that we have as male and female are different. And in the Bible, God does this incredible thing about marriage being this living example of his, his love for people in the church. And, and, and you just pause there and think about marriage as an example of his love And just spend some time philosophizing about that, making up a word there. But if you spend some time on that, that, that's just kind of crazy. But then he goes on to to just sort of bottom line it, to boil it down to this one, one phrase. And to the husband, God's big word is this. Each man must love his wife. So far, that's kind of easy. L-O-V-E, love your wife. And I'd assume that since love makes the world go round, right, that God would say the same thing to a woman about how you treat your man, right? But no, God doesn't command the women to love their husbands. Instead, he says, the wife must respect her husband. Now, God's forever word to us, God in his infinite wisdom, says husbands love Why? Because a woman needs love. And to women and wives, he says, respect. Why? Because a man needs respect. Now, how come different? Because we are different. We're different, and so we have different needs. God has put this package together that he has called female, and the number one thing that this package needs from a husband is love. And God has put this package together called male. And the number one thing that a male needs from his wife is respect. Now, of course women want to be respected. Of course. And of course men want to be loved. But where is the weight? Where is the driving need that we have? We have lots. Of, we're not just single-dimensional creatures. We have lots of things that we need. But there is just this principle, this weight that drives each of us. And that is, is that a woman needs love and a man needs respect. And we don't think a lot about the respect part of it. Our culture, our society acknowledges the love part. That's, that's just kind of, kind of a given, right? But I've talked to guys and, and I hear them say, yeah, that's it. The thing that aggravates you most, the thing that ticks you off most, sets you off fastest is when you feel your wife is scolding you. Or or lecturing you or telling you what to do. Now, ladies, understand, guys, we hate that. We hate that. We may deserve it, but we hate it. All right? We hate it. Your sons hate it. And let me just pull this out and, and say: this isn't just about marriage. This is about what men and women, male and female, need. If you're not married, apply these principles into future marriages, apply them into parenting, apply them into coworkers because the principles are the same. They just are more intense in the marriage relationship, and that's why we're focusing on it. But your sons hate being lectured, your male coworkers hate that, your husbands definitely hate that. Now, you want a man or specifically your husband to shut down, scold him, lecture him, tell him what to do. When you say, how many times have I told you? Or what were you thinking? You know what? The guy doesn't hear a word. He shuts down. And I can't tell you how much that begins to kill a relationship. Now, what sets a woman off the fastest is when they don't feel their husband is loving towards them. Loving towards them or their feelings, their thoughts. You know, guys, the in-charge, superior, got-it-all-together personality is not loving. It's not. Considering and caring for them is loving. You ever had an argument over, as you look back, it was kind of a little thing? You know, that empty gas tank or spending just a little too much and you get in this fight and you wonder, how did something so small like this spark such a big, big fight and explosion? And you know what? Most of your problems that escalate, they're not about sex and money and how to raise kids. Those may be the triggers. Those are the things people fight about the most in in studies, but they're not really what is being fought about. They're just the triggers. What's really, really happening is that wives are not feeling loved and husbands are not feeling respected. And so here's the problem. Guys, when you don't get respect, what do you do? you stop being loving. And when women, he stops being loving, what do you do? You stop respecting. And you start treating him with less respect. And the less respect he feels, the less love he wants to give. The less love she feels, the less respect she wants to give you, guys. And this is the beginning of what Dr. Emerson Igrich in his book Love and Respect calls the crazy cycle. And here it is. Without love... She reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. It doesn't matter where it starts. It's a cycle that keeps spinning. It doesn't matter where it starts. This isn't about fault or blame. It's about the reality of the cycle. And we need to look at that. Men treat criticism as contempt. And a guy who has all these boxes to achieve and conquer and subdue the land, and when he's criticized, it's contempt, and he feels put down. And when a guy is put down he shuts down. And this is, of course, written by a guy. In the Bible it says this, it's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. (laughs) Now, I've seen men wilt under the scolding and the lecturing of their wives. And have they done something stupid? Probably. But that's not the point. The tactic, though, that happens is that sometimes, ladies, you end up scolding. And so a guy leaves work where he's been respected for what he does, and he gets home, and he's hit with, did you call the repair shop? When are you going to fix the shower? And at work, he's a hero, and at home, what's going on? And physically, you just see them drop their heads and their shoulders, and the cycle begins. Because men hear criticism as contempt, and they get silent. And the crazy cycle begins And now, men hear this. When women see your silence or feel your silence, they interpret that as unloving. You're shutting down and they feel unloved. So they say, Why can't we just talk about this? And you're not ready to talk about it, but you are communicating, I don't love you right now. And this thing is spinning and spinning and spinning. Now, women, I know it. maybe it sounds like we've been a little harder on you on this, but the reason why, it's not that I'm being harder on you, it's that we don't talk about the respect portion of this in a relationship. We all get the idea of love. We're not talking about the respect, and so I'm trying to highlight that out today, that that's part of the way God has designed our relationships. God, the designer of men and women in this wonderful relationship, says 50% of it is respect. That's got to be part of the mix. And women need love. And, and men, we need to understand what that looks like. And men, uh, women, uh, we need to understand what respect looks like to the man. And obviously, we in our boxes and our wires, we got even different definitions of that. What a man perceives as loving is not necessarily loving. Coming home with the flowers is not always an expression of love. So let's ask, let's listen, let's sit down with each other and say, what does loving look like to you? Wives, ask your husband, what does respect look like to you? And have those conversations, because here is a truth. You cannot get what you need by depriving your partner of what your partner needs. You're not going to get from them the respect that you want when you are not giving the partner what they need. You're not going to get the love that you need when you're not giving your partner what your partner needs needs. So the question is, is how do we break this cycle? And that's what we're going to look at right now. And there's a few words to help us break out of this cycle. The first word is unconditional. And this one's really tricky, so follow along here, because look at this word respect. You respect things that are what? Worthy of respect, right? You have to earn my respect. That's a common thing that we say and feel. You have to earn my respect. And 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 then you do something stupid and you, you kind of say, Well, I don't respect you. You did something stupid. I don't respect that. But now look at the word love. And all of us kind of believe this. Does love need to be earned? No, you should just love. That's what you do. Is it conditional? Of course not. You love. And so we kind of think that love is unconditional, that it's freely given no matter what. But the reality is also that respect is conditional. It is not, um, I mean, excuse me, it's unconditional. It's not conditional like we treat it. And so we don't just say it's given when you deserve it. We actually need to say what God says, that it is unconditional as well. Look at that verse again. Each man must love his wife. The wife must respect her husband. Husbands, love your wives. No conditions, no qualifications, not based on her looks, not based on her behavior. She does not have to earn it. But it also says, wives, respect your husbands. No conditions, no qualifications, not based on what he does or doesn't do. Not based on his behavior, he does not have to earn it. So the question, just getting to this idea of respect, wives, would you respond to your husband positively? if you had to earn his love? No. So how do you think a husband feels when he feels like he has to earn your respect? And this is really, really hard. But I know, guys, I've met them over the years. I've been in pastoring for a long, long Longer than I wish time. Um, And and I've met guys who don't get affirming words at all from their wives, and they're feeling like they always need to earn it. But they can't, because it's supposed to be freely given. And once a man feels like he has to earn your respect, you have now entered into a dysfunctional phase in this relationship, and it's incredibly unhealthy. Just like if you feel that you have to earn his love. It's just not the way God wants it to be for us. Both of them are to be unconditional. And this is really, really important. And not to distract too much from the point of of marriage here, um, but all Christ-like behaviors are supposed to be unconditional to all people. Do you hear that? Even though I'm talking about respect and love in a marriage, all behaviors that God calls us to live out, Forgiving, grace-filled, kind, respectful. You go down the whole list of how God calls us to live. We're supposed to be unconditional for everybody. You meet that cashier. You should never be disrespectful. You meet meet, uh, the person who is cutting you off on the highway. You should never be unkind. Do we live up to that? Of course not always. But we find it so much easier to live out these behaviors with strangers. But then we come home and we take for granted our marriages and our kids and the parenting child relationships. And God has called us to live this way to everybody, demonstrating his nature to the world. But again, because marriages and parenting are so intimate and constant and real in our lives, that's why we need to focus on it so much more. To live it out in our homes has an even greater need. So the next word is to look at is to decode. To decode. If this is the crazy cycle that's up there at the top, if that's the cycle, then look at it. When she's not being loved, she does not respect. And if he's not respected, he does not show love. Well, then what do we need to do, guys? When, you, when she's doing something you feel is not respecting, decode it. Say to yourself, well, what did I do that maybe wasn't loving? Women, when you're feeling unloved in a situation, roll it back and think, did I do something that maybe wasn't as respectful as it could have been or should have been? Own the lack of love or respect that we're putting out there. Women, if he shuts up or goes to the garage and and slam things, rewind that tape and ask yourself, did I do or say something that would build him up or belittle him? Women, or men, rewind that tape. If all of a sudden you're hearing these barbs coming at you, did I do something? Rewind it and ask yourself that thing. Because if you keep on the crazy cycle, it's just going to keep spinning. And small things become huge things. So ask yourself, how would I feel if they said that to me? If they behaved that way to me? Of what you just did to them? There is something more going on here. Decode their response to see your part in this. Next, trust. And this is interesting because the Bible says this, but a married man is concerned about how he can please his wife, and a married woman is concerned about how she can please her husband. And it's talking about these natural intentions of what we do, that they're good. We wake up and they're, they're, they're good. We, you know, it's just we're, men are concerned about pleasing their wives, and, and, and women are concerned about pleasing their husband. That's the foundation when we start a relationship in marriage, that's, that's the hope. That's the intention. That's the foundation there. And so, deep down, we need to just understand that and trust that that's the place that they're coming from. No wife gets up and says, let's see how I can make my husband feel like an idiot today. Goodness, I hope not. I don't believe So, most times we wake up with hope for the day. No husband gets up and says, I cannot wait to be insensitive to my wife. So let's trust the place that they're coming from. Let's trust where they're coming from. A young couple, Brandon and Elizabeth, got married uh, a little over a week ago here in our church. And, uh, and Brandon came to me during the reception and said, any advice? And I said, and I, well, that's a wise thing for a young guy to ask that on his, on his marriage night. And he said this, or I said this back to him, yes. Always give her the benefit of the doubt. When it feels like she hates you, just love her. Just love her. Because it's likely all about something else. Give each other the benefit of the doubt. Trust that they're coming and desiring to come from a good place. The delivery just got messed up somehow. Give them the benefit of the doubt and talk it out. Which leads then to the next thing. Make the first move. Jesus said, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. You make the first move to get out of that cycle. When she starts to complain, it's why. She's not feeling loved. So what do you do? Do you ask, what is it this time? No, don't do that. (laughs) You know what? Don't do that. Instead, say something like this, guys. You know what? That hurt a little. That stung. Have I done something that has hurt you? (laughs) Roll it back. Slow it down. Slow it down and make the first move. When he withdraws, ladies, do you go and say, hey, I think I probably put you down. It's okay that that shower hasn't been fixed in 10 years. (laughs) No, don't do that. Roll it back. The Bible says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Now, it may take a while, and even if the other person doesn't begin immediately to respond right, when you take the steps to make the first move and to break that cycle and you keep it up, eventually there will be a change and a coming together. I have seen so many marriages on the brink that put principles like this into play, and they brought it back to a wholeness and a love for each other. And frankly, this make the first move, this is kind of a... a a key one. It's an important one. And we all get it, too. Because all of us as parents, when we've had multiple kids arguing, and they say, but he did or she did, what do we say as a parent? I don't care who started it, just stop it. Right? We need to say that to ourselves. It doesn't matter who started the crazy cycle. It just doesn't matter. What does matter is that we take the steps to stop it when we recognize what's happening. That's what Christ has called us to. Which leads then to the next. Watch. Watch the crazy cycle stop. Men love her enough to listen. Women respect him enough to listen. It stops. The cycle will break. A great verse, it says this, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now that's a fascinating verse, but in this context, the point of it is is that this marriage is a we, me, us. It's not a me against you. And when we realize that we should do everything to pull it together, when I love my spouse, They love me, and it's to my benefit. I'm loving myself when I love my spouse. So respect and love each other, meet each other's needs, and watch the cycle end. And the next, praise. Praise God for it. The smallest step of love and respect does what? It builds and it grows. And it becomes a God thing. He brought you together. He wants to keep you together. He wants your marriage to be an illustration of his love to the world. So give God the honor and the place that he deserves in working in your marriage. And this is critical stuff. And again, even though I've spent a lot of time focusing in this whole series focusing on marriage, it is not just about marriage. Fathers, love your daughters. Respect your sons. Mothers, love your daughters. Respect your sons. Let's not scold those boys, but instead encourage and build them up. Let's not let a girl ever feel unloved and cared for. Let's put these principles into our parenting as well. Now, maybe a small child doesn't know how to respond back and end the cycle themselves. But we as parents know what we could and should do. Let's respect them and build them up. Let's love them and help them feel safe and encouraged. That's what God has called us to. It's not just about the marriage. It's about all relationships we care for. So let's put these principles into place. And then next, nurture all the relationships in your life. But remember to nurture the most valuable one, your relationship with God. Because all of this takes God's help. You cannot express Christ-like behavior without having Christ in you. You can't do it. So if we see that this is the ideal of how God calls us to live, then let's allow the Holy Spirit to grow in us, to flourish. Let's nurture our relationship with him and allow the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts and our lives so that we can express Christ-like behavior in the relationships that matter the most to us. Now, all of that sounds pretty good, but realize that all good relationships have two components. And they very much are key in our relationship with God. All good relationships have something that's spontaneous and it's just magical and wonderful. And you know, it's just this these feelings, and, and that's part of God as well. The times of worship, the times of, of prayer, they're, just, they're, they're spontaneous and wonderful. But they also, all good relationships, require some effort and work. And so we need intentional, intentional working it out. Growing, getting in life group, learning to study the Bible. What is God calling us to? We need to put some effort into all of our relationships. Let's not forget our relationship with God as well. Let's nurture that to work it and follow what Christ has called us to do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you care for our relationships more than we ever could. More than we ever could. And so, God, I know that your heart is to help us to to develop your Christ-like behavior in our hearts and our lives. Help us to tend to our hearts, to learn what it means to be more loving, to learn what it means to be more respectful, to be obedient to your word when it says to be kind and and gentle, to to be all of those things that the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives. And then, God, I pray that you would help us to apply them in the relationships in our lives, particularly our marriages and our parenting Help us, Lord, to be respectful, to be loving, to stop this crazy cycle, to not assign blame or fault, but instead to say it stops here. And I want to invest in this relationship. Lord, I just pray that you would then help us to see that change, to see that joining together in all the relationships that matter in our lives. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.